Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Want to welcome y'all to another episode of The Lion's Den. Hopefully, everything is good with you. I just want to get everybody some time to get logged in. Make sure you share, 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 share. You know how we do. If you are watching this on uh, Facebook, make sure you go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook so your comments can come up. So give us a chance to say, hey, 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 you know what I mean? Hashtag where you at and everything, because this show is going to be extremely, extremely, extremely dope. So I want you to get something to write with, get your questions, because we want to make sure that when it's time to have conversations and if you want to call in, you will be able to do so. But we're going to really be talking about the law and what it is to be behind the blue. All right, so y'all stay tuned. We'll see y'all in a minute. Welcome to the Lion's Den with Seth, a podcast where progressive men and women can learn and teach each other the ways of the land. The Lion's Den is where royalty comes to counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Seth. All right, all right, y'all. So you are here where you need to be on the lion's den, and we have a special treat, y'all. Listen, my man's been gone for a while, but he's finally back. Oh, my goodness, it's good to have his energy back. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Larry. (laughs) Yo, welcome back to CB4, bro. Look like you back into the prison. (laughs) <laughs> I'm back in the den, baby. That's what it really is. That's is, man. Look, glad that you made it back safe. You can get what I'm saying. You didn't get hurt or anything like that, man. So it's good to see you, man. So how you feel being back? Hey, right, man. I'm two days in, but it's all good. You know, I'm still adjusting. Jet lag a little bit. I'm getting up dumb early, even though I don't have to get up. So I'm adjusting. But yeah, I, yeah it's all good. Yeah, I know your timing and everything is sleep is jacked up. But hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Casey, how you feeling? Camille, hey, hey. Crystal, how you doing, ma'am? So, yo, everybody, get on. Log on right now. And, of course, we got to get the rest of the den on. Big Will, what's up, y'all? What's up? Yo, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, I'm back live in effect with the optics, baby. Yo. Hey, Larry, what's good, my dude? <laughs> hey, and look, you sound like, good. You sound so good, bro. You sound crisp. Hey, y'all was going in on your boy, man. But, hey, we back in effect, man. We ready to get it in. When I say today's show is going to be one for the record books, hey, stay tuned. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Hey, Big Herm in the building. Look at this nut. For real? What, so what? So oh, what? So man, wait. Man, what, no, hey, so, so what we got to do? What, what? What? You need your own, uh, your background music? It's, in Tennessee, we call that the five and no dance. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when you're five, when your team is five and no. You know what I'm saying? You do a celebratory dance. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Keep yourself motivated, bro. This you know? cat, bro. Lord. Have <laughs> hey, hey, Will, man, it's good to see you finally full in effect over there, not static up. And I can't understand uh, you, man. Hey, it's not my personal business, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry, man, honest to God, man, I'm glad you're back. You know what I'm saying? Your energy, like Seth said, man, was much needed. And uh, we back full effect, fellas. How's it feel? Yo, it feel good, man. It, it was like, you know, our, our missing link. You know what I'm saying? So so we right. back, man. Now we we, form, we back. We forming Voltron now. Yeah, I'm telling you. Hey, <laughs> let our powers combine. Wait, no, that's uh, Captain Planet. Forget it. It's all good. <laughs> hey, so what's going but on? Check. I see Miss Anetta and Kendrick. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Yeah, but check, but like Will said, man, um, we've been searching for, we've been, we've been trying to do a show like this for a while. 
for months. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get an officer to come on and talk to us about things from their perspective. And we finally got one that's going to come on and talk to us, man. So, hey, you guys that's out there listening, please take advantage. This officer has 20 years of experience. You know what I'm saying? And, and his, his perspective is probably going to surprise a lot of you guys. So I would like to welcome to the show Officer Lamar Sharp. What's happening? All right, all right. Yo, my mans, listen, you getting it in in them streets, man. Hey, and, and listen, I, I know it's heavy. I know it's yeah. heavy. You know what I'm saying? But welcome man. to the den, brother. How you feeling? Man, I'm great. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm. Appreciate it. Mm-mm, no doubt. No doubt, man. No doubt. So, Big Herm, want to give you the honors, man. Hook him up. See, <laughs> now it's phoning. See what I'm saying? Yeah, Listen, right. you see how everything just go right, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> bam. Hey, I'm not hitting the mute button no more, man. I done tore up my whole setup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just be quiet when I'm not talking. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so Officer Sharp, man, Um, I actually found you when I was just perusing around Facebook, and mm. I saw you make, uh, make a comment on, on a page. And it, I thought that he was interesting. I was like, man, this cat has a pretty good perspective, man, about what's going on in today's society. Mm-hmm. So my, my question to you is, you know, we, we see what's going on with the protests, uh, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, and, and somewhere in between there's the truth. You know, I just want to know your perspective as a 20-year uh, officer, not only just officer, but still a black man. What is your perspective on everything that's going on right now in today's society? Um, you know, I, I really, the, the thing is, is like, I, 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 for black lives matter, you know, black eyes, black lives have to be respected more in this country in, in order for us to move forward. Um, you know, inequality needs to be, um, taken into effect, but also too, it's like, and once we do that, and I know people say, you know, all lives, all lives have to, all lives do matter, but black lives have to have a little bit more meaning. Um, have a little bit more meaning in this country. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's basically what it is. And, and I know a lot of people slash Blue Lives Matter and they say um, all these different things. Well, if you support Blue Lives or racist, this and that and the other. And I'm sitting here like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not true. It's just like anything else. When you think about your fraternities or, you know, and, you know even guys that are been in the military, like you guys, you've been in the military, and you sit here, if another brother that you served with called you or needed you, you would be there in a second. You call them family. And that's the thing, too, is you have police law, men and women who go out on a daily basis making peanuts, putting their lives on the line for people they don't even know. So it's the when they talk about the blue lives, they're talking about the lives. It's meaningful for the lives of officers who lost their lives, who paid the ultimate sacrifice. It's just like a family, just like your sororities and your fraternities, how they call each other's brothers and sis. It's all one family, and that's, and that's what it is. And it doesn't mean that blue lives were against black lives or any other lives. It's just a it's just a family. It's a family of men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, you know, doing doing a job that they love. You know, okay, so I can dig that, man. But tell me, how do you feel having to continuously explain that? You you get what I'm saying? Especially right. to the individuals that look like you. Can you speak right. on that? You know, and it's, it's, it's sad because sometimes, you know, like, you know, the protests have taken off all over the country. And, um, and you know, and it seems like I watched a video. I have a video saved on my phone where um, 
it seems like at every protest, the very first person, people that they single out is black officers, men mm. or women. They single them out, and they, and 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 it's even happened to me where they tell me that I'm a disgrace to my. Uh, Are you to my serious? Race. Yeah, and it, what's really what's really baffling is is that sometimes I have people who are not black who come up to me and have said this to me and i'm sitting wait, here wait hold like, on wait 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 hold on so you have people come up to you and say you a disgrace to the black race yeah she because... told me i'm, I'm a disgrace to my heritage <laughs> oh what <laughs> and, and and you know and i i know i have family members who've been out and they've protested they standing up because they want to they want to have equality and, and and then they also want to talk about some of the privilege that is in this country and that right there let me know that you have that you there's some type of privilege that you have where you could say that to me. You have no idea what I'm. Ah, oh, boy. Oh, I know they can't dig it. I know they, they can't, can't dig, dig it, that. I can't dig it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is wow. That's crazy, Big Larry, man. What you got, man? Hey, 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 man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hit you hard with this one, Mister Officer uh, Sharp. Not Mister. I'm gonna right. Sharp, right? So I'm gonna get back to when we was kids, right? Because I think we're all in the same age mm-hmm. group. Uh, I remember as eight, nine years old, you see the cops come through the neighborhood all the time and they pass out police cars and hats and all kind of stuff. Like, I feel like, why we, why have we lost like touching that? You know what I mean? Like what happened to the, to the public service piece of being a police officer and, and a big disconnect between those that patrol the neighborhoods and those that live in the neighborhood. What is your thoughts on getting back to where it used to be, you know, where police officers were seen as part of the neighborhood and not, you know, members against the neighborhood, if that makes sense. Right. I talk about that all the time. Um, if you remember, we used to, like, a lot around the country, we had a D.A.R.E. program. We right. used to have officers used to come in, they talked to kids about doing the right thing, say no to drugs, this and that and the other. But somewhere along the way, we kind of lost touch with that. And I, and and we become, police have become more militarized than than community servants. And, um, and I think that's where the problem has kind of taken place because there's funding for everything except for getting more officers to do the things that are more involved with the community. And now with everything that you see going on, you're starting to see a lot more of that. The problem is, is now I think as in a, as a country, we're conditioned to um, not accept it as much. It's just like, oh, it's, it's like our mindset is like, it's too late. It's too late. We don't want that now. But it's like, so at what point are we going to come together and make it happen and was for the betterment of this country? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yo, like Leroy says, a great question. Uh, Larry, community policing needs to be uh, needs to make a comeback, man. That's absolutely right. And I know it's hard because it's a lack of trust. And mm-hmm. and you know what? I, I want to get with Herm a little bit later because I, I want to talk about a little discussion that we had as far as the right. type of individuals that the community can get into the police force. But, hey, Big Will, man, what you got, man? I know you ready. <laughs> Oh, you know I am. You know I am. I know so, he is. Larry, you brought up a you, you brought up a good point about the community. But I would like to also put this out there to individuals that are citizens that live in these communities that you have to have a community mindset first and foremost and not just call yourself something. You have to act on that. And right mm-hmm. now we're not acting as communities as consistently. We're being reactionary to events. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Sharp, what I want to ask you about is your perspective on the rules and engagement on stop and frisk do you mm-hmm. agree disagree and why i'm sorry i, I missed it oh stop and frisk man he's saying so do you okay. agree disagree 
and why? So, you know, with the stop and frisk, uh, and a lot of times I think where the confusion comes and and it is, it's, there's, there's two sides because there's some officers who obviously abuse it. And there's some officers that may see you that because of the, the style of clothes you wear, your, your hair, your skin color, they may stop you and you may be, you might be, there might be a certain neighborhood and you probably don't look like you live there. And so they're going to stop you. Okay. But there's also that other side of it too. And I know like what the country call it, the Karens, the Karens of the world. Oh yeah. man. You know, yeah. Right. So that's y'all's best friend, ain't it? Right. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, cause look, hey, Karen is helping the community. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, you get the same, you get the same people who call continuously about the same things. And you have to understand as a job, if you if, if I get a call and I do not answer that call and I do not do it correctly, I could lose my job or I could get written up or reprimand or this or that and other. So everything we still have to do, we have to take, we have to answer the call. Regardless of how many times they called or whatever, we have to we have to handle it. And um, sometimes you get people who make phone calls. Police sometimes just don't pop up out of the blue. You know, there's we have roll calls. There's there's stuff passed on from each shift that happens. What happened before the, the next, the prior two shifts? So now when we come in and we sit down, we hear all of this. We hear, we know where all the robberies and break-ins are taking place. So as as some some me living in this community, if I have a whole bunch of block, uh, break-ins in here, I want the police to stop everybody that is walking down the street personally. Right. I mean, what, what are you doing here? You know. Mm-hmm. And, and and again. If it comes back to community police, and guess what? If I'm riding down this street in this neighborhood, I know he lives right down the street. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But again, we we aren't we've kind of lost touch a little bit along somewhere along the way mm-hmm. with police in the community. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once we get back into the community, things like that don't happen because now you know everybody. Like there's times where they used to have walk, officers walking walking beats. Yeah, policers police officers riding bicycles in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know what I mean? and what yeah. happened? I, I know the ones. Well, some of them was getting jacked in certain places. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I'm just being real. That's right. horrible. So I, I guess they really can't walk the beat like they used to. They maybe right. got to skip. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. So yeah, that 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 used to happen. I, you don't see that as much as often. Right. right. Damn. So yeah, you know, and and again too, but you have to think about it on a, on the flip side of it. Being an officer for 20 years, I've seen stop and frisk turn into things that was just you find uh kid people who were abducting children people who were wanted for felony murders this and that and the other so there it's like that catch 22 and my thing is this is if you didn't do anything hey listen keep your mouth shut do what they got to do and if you feel I, i i challenge people i say if you feel like you were disrespected by a police officer during an event understand it is recorded and I always encourage people to record it as long as it doesn't interfere with what we're trying to do, you know, as a police officer, but record it because now both of y'all record. And if you feel like you've been disrespected by a police officer, there's a chain. Go go file an internal affairs report. Right. File a complaint on them. Mm-hmm. And if this is an officer who has so many complaints on them, eventually, you know, they're going to be looking at, you know what, mm, there, there's something wrong. But also too understand that I've, I've seen people who say, I'm complaining, I'm filing a complaint on this officer not realizing that they they were recorded. And then when they get up in there, they was wrong. They sitting here, they sitting here looking at themselves <laughs> on here, just being, 
complete, just like this competing completely out of line. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and that's the thing too is like, if you have a fear, real serious complaint, file it. I I I, I I'm an advocate for that. File your complaint, but understand like just be at the end of the day, you want to go home. Absolutely, you want to go home. So follow whatever. If you know you didn't do anything, hey, let. Take that time out. And I can tell you, a lot of officers, they don't even want to do the paperwork. See, <laughs> they don't want to, you know, they're like, listen, you good? All right, bye. See you later. Have a good day. Right. And they want to go about their way. You but know, I think that confrontation happens, and that's where everything gets ugly. Mm-hmm. You know what? Here, let me just give me a minute, man, because we got to take a little pause for our sponsors. But this is some real, real good information. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are just tuning in, please, please, please make sure you go on StreamYard dot com forward slash Facebook so your information or your your posts and comments can be posted okay because we got we want you guys to engage this is some real good conversation and a conversation that needed to be had a long time ago especially on the den okay and this is where you need to be to get it but of course we always got to take the time out for our sponsors right look if you need your credit checked and you need it right Holler at Miss Tracy Brown, okay? Tracy is a guru with credit repair. She can get you to where you need to be. You know you ain't where you need to be, so how about you get somebody that can help you out and someone that care? So Tracy is not only uh, smart in the financial management, but she is a retired military member, so she's continuing to serve to make sure that she can help you out by getting you right and giving you a position helping you to be in a position where you can have financial literacy and buying power. So holler at Miss Tracy Brown. Her number is 618-560-3687. One more time, 618-560-3687. All right, hey, brother, look, I got this good question for you, man. And, and this this is from, from one, of our, uh, one of our other brothers, okay? He's not around right now. He's... Uh, located a different spot, but he was with the den, of course, in the beginning. So he says, is there a protection code established within the department? And he says, um, do you have an open dialogue with your precinct discussing these issues? And if so, what approach? All right. What approach is the organization taking to highlight this subject? If that makes sense. Um. So I want to make sure I got this clear. He said like a code, like as far as just yeah. Like far as I mean, because you know, now I don't know if you heard of oh shit, you should have been a, yeah, been yeah, a combo, yeah. but you oh, heard yeah, of that yeah. blue code, you did. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. So so basically, what he's saying is, is that is there? Do you have open dialogue to let them know when something's out of line? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know that, and that's the thing too is like it's in our like if our department, it's actually in our. Um, rules and regs, uh, our policy manual, like if you see something and you don't report it and it's known that you, you saw it and you didn't report it, you can get just as much trouble as the person that did it, whatever they did. Mm. So, you know, so, and, and, and so that's, that's the great thing. And then too, if you have these, with these body cameras, they know, you know, and a lot of times too, the radios let you kind of, they, I think a lot of them have GPSs in them. They, they know where you at, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They know where you at. So you can't say you wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so and I think too is you start to see a lot of more accountability coming uh, across departments. And as far as a code, like I don't like listen. You if you write, you write. If you wrong, I'm gonna let you know about it. Mm-hmm. 
plain and simple. There's no, there's no in-betweens for me. Okay. I was, you know, when I was young living in Akron, I was thrown on a cruiser because I fit the description. Mm. Okay. So I know what that feels like. Okay. So I'm not going to sit here and do that to anybody. And I'm not going to allow that to happen to anybody that didn't do anything. Right on, right on. Big Herm, what you got, brother? Wait to say, wait to say. I got a question about being like being a black officer. Um, mm-hmm. So being black in the military, we see these protests in the NFL, and people say that's disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the troops, and people think that all military think this way. But a lot of the black troops don't think that way. You know, we mm-hmm. don't see it as no disrespecting the, the, the troops or disrespecting the anthem. We see it for what it was. So my question for you is, being a black officer, do you do you also feel you know separated in a certain way because you you are officer, you want to serve or honor, mm-hmm. but at the same time you're a black man, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of things is going to be torn, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have thoughts about being a black man and then also the officer officer route, right? You get what I'm saying? Right. I, I think everybody has their own preference on what they you know, and and, and my thing is too is when I remember when. Um, Colin Neal, I, I didn't, I didn't feel, I heard that. One second, Sharp, because that, that, what, what I'm, I can, let me clarify it. Mm-hmm. The question is, all right, so for us, you know what I'm saying, we see it different. So as a black cop, you know, of course y'all, y'all are put, put up a front, like a, not a front, but a, we're all together, team, right? Mm-hmm. But being, being a black cop, there has to be some difficulty, you know what I'm saying, within when you hear people say this, you know, this is how all cops think when, when as a black officer, you probably don't think that way. Right. No. I'm not talking about the, the protests in general. I'm right. talking about it's yeah. a divide force between the black mm-hmm. cops and the white cops when it comes to that. Especially especially if you see some injustice that's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And it might not be right, even right. in your precinct, but you're looking at TV and it's like, yo, you get what I'm saying? This right. is out of line. So, mm-hmm. you know, what type of, you know, dialogue do you guys have? And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, we, you know, we have training every year and I know a lot of the things we talk about, we talk about the diversity, not only just in the community, but also within our police department. And, um, and I think too, the biggest thing that I see is when I see another white officer comes to me as a black man, as a black police officer and ask me questions because they want better understanding. You see what I'm saying? See. And that's, that, that's huge that's because correct. people who don't, then it's kind of like, maybe they don't care. Or it's just they it maybe haven't sunk in for them. But I've had many other officers come up to me and ask me not only uh, their my thoughts about it or anything like that, but they ask me, "Am I okay?" Because here's the thing: I was I did a show uh, last week, and I told I said probably the hardest job in the country right now is being a policeman, but the more even harder job in this country right now is being a black well black police officer. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's true because you know we feel we have our feelings and there's sometimes things that maybe the other country doesn't, the country doesn't understand kind of what we've been through or as a race or, or some of the, see some of the things that are going on behind closed doors. Boy, boy, boy. I can, I can feel that. I can really mm-hmm. feel that. Hey, big Larry, what you got, man? Hey, yep. Hey, I'm going back again. I'm talking about community policing. Again. That's, that's like my motto tonight. Right. Cause I feel like that's the way that comes between police officers and the neighborhoods, especially the urban neighborhoods. Uh, going back again, you know, I want to talk about, I know you do a lot of uh, community service. You know, you got your, your uh, nonprofit organization mm-hmm. and things that you do. So, so what's your message to the youth when you talk about being a police officer or just 
officer in general, mm-hmm. right? Because you think about when we were kids, we used to play cops and right. robbers. Nobody be a cop. Everybody wanted to be the robber, right? Right. right. And then I, mentally, though, as we get older, we still have that same mentality that nobody wants to be the cop. Mm-hmm. But if we want to be our community, we have to police our community with people that look like us. Mm-hmm. If we expect them to be understood and to be able to be relatable. It's not to say other races can't relate to us, but what I'm saying is my relation and your relation is a totally different than some outsider, if that makes sense. So what do you say to those individuals that still have that mentality of cops and robbers? Um, you know, kind of doing what I do, I go into a lot of different schools um, around the city, in a, in, a, in a county, actually. And when kids actually, I feel like, parents and society can kind of mold kids to what they're going to be. And I feel like too, so I know knowing that and it could be good or bad knowing that I try to do stuff, good things for kids. And now when I go come across kids, I'm seeing kids, little black kids who say, Officer Sharp, I'm going to be like you when I grow up, not LeBron James. I had a kid who had a, had an opportunity. He could have wrote about, they did a, a, a famous person day. And they could have wrote about anybody. People were doing Barack Obama, this, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali. And this kid picked me for his school. And it's about the the interactions that you and how you carry yourself uh, in the light. And then just even saying hi to kids and give them high fives and things like that. Now you're starting to see kids around here. It's not about being a robber. I want to be the cop. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And and that's the thing. And I, like I said, just that exposure, it'll change the expectations of, of a lot of mindsets. Right. So, and I think if we can get more of that policing, kind of that kind of policing going on around the country, that 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 whole mindset will change. See now, all right. So you ready for it, Herm? Because yeah. I, 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 all right, I do want to talk about it, and we hit on it a little bit, but being a police officer in your own community. So mm-hmm. we have, you got the black code. You see what I'm saying? Like the cops and robbers. Yeah, okay, I don't really want to be the man, right? right and then, right. <laughs> then on top of that, then I really don't want to snitch. You feel me? I know we right. talked a little bit about that behind the, uh, before the show. But, so me and Herm was having a conversation and it's people that feel this way, but I, I'm gonna let him kind of talk about it. What you think, Herm? So, so the conversation I had, uh, I, you know, I was thinking one day somebody had posted something about well, some police violence and they asked the question, what can we do? And I'm thinking, you know, we just need we need more of us on the police force. You know what I'm saying? You know, the same people that's going off to join the military and stuff like that. Why not consider the police force? I, I got a very stupid response back from that. You know what I mean? And it, it's just very pure. We won't say it's stupid. It was just uninformed. You know. You know. You know. But my, but my thought is, you know, his 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 thought was a pushback, saying that us joining the police force is not the answer. And I'm like, well, how do you expect people that don't look like you or don't come from your community to have a a great understanding of? What your how your community operates? Mm-hmm. There will always be an outsider, no matter how many times they walk around. They didn't grow up there, you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Having more more people that look like us join into the police force, do you think that would be that would be helpful or hurtful? It would absolutely be helpful. Um, you know, 
if you, especially if you live, you come from that community, you understand what's going on and the, 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 the conflict, the troubles that's going on in that community. And then knowing people that, that in, in holding other people accountable, because it just, like, there's so many times I've met people just getting out of my cruiser and I've established a relationship from, with them. And then next thing you know it, I'm looking at them, I'm like, you okay, you good? All right. Something that small. Right. That small. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you, you do need black representation in, in most police departments because a lot of times when you go into black in the police departments, you don't see the the representation, um, uh, within the communities. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing is, it's not that police departments aren't trying. It's just that again, people, you know, in a black community, they don't want to be the man. I can yeah. tell you, growing up, I didn't want to be the man. <laughs> I can tell you, like it was, I, I grew up with the mentality NWA. Yeah, Warner Brothers. I was yeah, all that. Hey, you, you remember know, the man, you remember you know, the WB you, you shirts? Think that we do a good job with that because, all right, take take the military for example. Mm -hmm. We go into schools and actively recruit, right? right. You know what I'm saying? I, I wonder how it would be if if the police force did that, the fire department and things like, because college is not for everybody right off the bat, and maybe right. not ever. What if they did that, went to these inner city schools, like, hey, what you think about being a cop, B building that relationship mm -hmm. and things like that? Then people that would normally go into the military, the Marines and the Army and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, might actually consider being a cop. Yeah. yeah. There's another me and a, another fireman. We talked about that, uh, trying to like start a program where we can go into schools and start trying to maybe hold a class once a month or twice a month where they can learn things about the police and the, the fire and, 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 you know, start a career and then starting this thing called like, I mean, we have an explorers program, but we want to do something where we can have um, a place where people can come in and be hands-on and do things as a policeman and a fireman. And then also things that might help them push them forward farther on the tests that are given. So, you know, we talked and discussed that. And I think that's huge. Like we, when we recruit, we go on radio stations, we go on the newspaper, we do everything. But the problem is, it's like when the people the, in the black community that sign up, they don't show up for the test. Mm. For whatever reason, they just don't show up. I see. And, yeah, I think the fear kicks in, and somebody talks to them and tell, talk them out of it. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I remember times I was, I remember 20 years ago, I was waiting for somebody to talk me out, and I would have never took this test. <laughs> they push the ass bad to us, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They yeah. do. They do. Hey, well, look, brother. Hey, but before we go into the next uh, segment, I want you to uh, think about this question. So it says, Have you ever been in a been put in a situation? to defend the black community against other cops in light of recent events, i.e. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, et cetera, where the actions taken by cops were clearly unjustified. So hold that, hold okay. that, all right? Because I really want you to, um, you know, to chime in on that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are just tuning in, please, please, please understand where you're at. You on the den and go to streamyard.com forward slash Facebook so that your comments can be posted. Okay, so we're going to take a little pause for the calls for our sponsors. We'll be right back. Monique Slater is a top negotiating award-winning real estate agent in San Antonio, Texas. Her focus is on educating and empowering individuals on building generational wealth through home ownership while providing exceptional service with integrity and excellence. 
Although her heart is for serving first-time homeowners and the military community, her clientele ranges from $100,000 to $2.5 million. Monique has developed an awesome team that can get individuals into a home. Mention you heard this ad on the Lion's Den with Seth and get a $500 rebate from Monique at closing. After servicing in the Air Force for over 28 years, retired Chief Slater has a massive network so she can connect you with an awesome agent anywhere in the U.S. and your referral will get a special gift card from Monique. If you're in the San Antonio area or relocating there, give Monique a call first to help you find your dream home. Her number is 210-237-7268. One thing we can cherish during these times is family dinners. Think about it, the nice succulent southern fried chicken, baked beans cooked to perfection, creamy macaroni and cheese, cornbread, you get the point. Come check out Kevlar's Grill, where all the meals are cooked with perfection, professionalism, and love. Located outside the Scott Air Force Base back gate inside the VFW is where you can find them. Also, they have military discount for all of our serving members. Give them a call. Their number is 618-416-5700. And that's inside Scott VFW Post 4183. And they also have Grubhub. Call them now and tell them that the Lions Den sent you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Seth with the Lion's Den. Are you or someone you know looking for a tool to help them be more accountable? Check out the Black Collar Mindset, the art of strategic thinking. It's a manual to help maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable every step of the way. Go to theblackcollarmindset.com to grab your copy today. Again, the website is theblackcollarmindset.com. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Let's get it together. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to the Lion's Den. Yo, we're back. We're back in full effect, and we got our officer, the 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 the, the great, right? Officer Sharp in the building, right? <laughs> Right, right, right. And y'all, look, if y'all just tuning in, um, we're talking about Behind the Blue. And don't forget, we got our man's Larry back. He was long gone for a while, but he's back in full effect. Welcome back, Larry. So before this last break, we had this question, a real good question. And just for those to see again. All right. It says, so have you ever been put in a position to defend the black community against other cops in the light of recent events, i.e. Breonna Taylor? George Floyd, etc., where the actions taken by the cops were uh, was uh, clearly unjustified. So, what you think, brother? Um, you know, I made a post um, a while ago when 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 George Floyd happened, and I just I don't even think I th- I think I was as more as a black man because I always have to tell people I woke up I was brought in this word black I wake up every day I'm black. And there's times where I've been places where I've been treated a certain way. And you know what I'm saying? And when I saw the George Floyd, I was very, I was hurt. I was angered. I was upset. And then it kicked in as a police officer. I was pissed off because that is not, that, that's just not how you do it. 
You know what I'm saying? And when you see things like that, I'm not one of those people when I see something on video, I see a 15 second clip. I'm like, oh, yep, that's a bad police officer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not that's not how it goes, because what led up to that? Because you can have a police officer fighting with somebody and this dude is whipping this police officer's butt and the police officer, he his tactics kick in and he gets back into the fight. And now you only showing 15 minutes of this this officer getting back into the fight. And now you have made a judgment on that officer. You know what? So, now, and, and I hate to interrupt, but mm -hmm. to that point, now we've seen mm -hmm. situations where cops getting their ass kicked, right? Right? Yeah. But, 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 it just seems like maybe it's just me. All right, maybe I don't see enough, but it's different type of demographics that can go one on one, and then the cop kind of think about things first. Let me say stop. Let me grab my taser. Then right. let me grab my gun. But it seems like for other demographics, it was like, oh, he about to swing. It looked like he about to swing. Pow, pow. I ain't even gonna let it because yeah. I felt threatened. Now, am I wrong? Yeah. Hey, listen, I've seen it. Okay. I've seen it. And, um, you know, and my thing is, too, is like, I, I, I've witnessed that before. Mm. I, I mean, as not as a police officer. I've witnessed that as a just a regular civilian. Okay, I, I've been through that, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I think too, um, when that, when the George Floyd thing happened, you know, I made a post about it, and I was just speaking from my heart, and I, I didn't agree with it, and I and I just I was told people I was like, please don't judge every police officer on the actions of one other black police officer. I say you can't do that. It's not fair to the guys. Like there's so many guys that do what I do out in this country as officers, and I say, why is it that they have to pay for that one officer? You know, and that's the biggest thing that's going around the country because now it's it, it, what's it? They call it the ACAB. All cops are bad. You oh, know what wow. I'm saying? And I I don't even have an ill bone in my body, but yet you calling me bad. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing is we have this mentality because of one, one officer. And I can tell you, no matter what I do here in this community, whatever another bad officer does around the country, it affects me right that's here right. in this city. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Yeah. You know, it's sad. But, you know, that's just this is how it is right yeah. now. It's unfortunate. Big Will, what you got, man? Hey, Lamar, you spoke to one bad cop. I seen multiple bad cops in that situation with George Floyd because you were a bystander and mm -hmm. you said nothing. You're just as guilty as we discussed earlier. Right. Yep. But but what you're seeing is more consistent across the board. And I look at training from a military perspective. We're trained. We're taught rules of engagement, escalation of force, etc. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I really want to know what kind of training do cops get that military don't get. Because you guys are in combat more than us, mm -hmm. hitting these streets day in and day out. Right. So I'm really looking to understand the type of training you guys receive and what shortfalls do you see from a cop's perspective? Right. I think the um, like with our department, our training is very intense. However, you know, a lot of people talk about defunding the police, and that's not the that's not the key. You need to spend more money on, and then also too the budget of training needs to be a little bit better for police departments. Okay. Instead of requalifying or doing this once a year, maybe we should be twice a year or, you know what I'm saying? Maybe add a, add a every six months that you should go through this. Okay. Because I think that helps not just the officer, keep the officer safe, but that keeps people safe in the community, you know? And, and I think that's the biggest thing is we, the training, some departments, their training reflects what's happening on the streets. And then, too, here's the thing, too, 
you get some officers take me for instance i'm a 20 year 20 year vet and when we go time to for combat like i don't like to play fight if i'm a fight i'm fighting you know what i mean i'm a, I'm a, I'm a former defensive end if we fight we gotta fight so when we come time I, i'm so serious about everything and then when it comes combat time and i'm like oh. but once i get into it i'm realizing when i mess up i'm like yo this could save me on the street. You know what I'm saying? Like this could really help me save, save me. And and now I don't have to grab my gun. Mm-hmm. I don't have to grab my taser because now I know how I can handle somebody with my hands and, and get an effective arrest and then be done. with it. Mm-hmm. Lamar, have you seen the fitness standards for police? Cause the police I've been seeing. Oh man, shut <laughs> up, bro. <laughs> Hey, I see, oh, I'm yeah. saying why they grabbing that gun so quick because they got the chicken leg in the other pocket. Hey, and, and because they don't want to run. Is that what it is? They want to check. Man, you're so out of line about that. Hey, but, hey, look, let's be 100. Hey, the stuff we see on the uh, on our side of the gate, they they, they, they looking kind of like a high potential level too. You know what I'm saying? What are you talking about me, man? <laughs> I'm retired. Damn it. <laughs> Yo, hey, but, hey, but, hey, but least her, hey, I know you getting it in in the morning, though. Hey, but what's your question for him, her? Hey, so, I mean, yeah, I, I want I want to go to what Will just said about the, the physical fitness standards, <laughs> you know what I mean? I am curious about that because I do believe that if you're physically fit, you feel like you can handle a little bit more, you know what I mean? Um, when you talk about, like, combative training and stuff like that, if I'm not physically fit, I'm not sure if I'm really ready to tussle with somebody. Should the police department have a physical fitness standard, and do y'all have one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I know what, our department, there's incentives. If you can pass this running test in a certain amount of time, then you get you get incentives to, you know, that's an incentive there to keep your butt, get your butt on the treadmill. So, I mean, and I think not every department does that. Um, and I know I've been some places that I'm sitting here looking, and I'm like, yo, like, yo, this officer might fall out here in a minute uh, <laughs> if, if the wind blows too way. But, you know, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, you're starting to see a lot of different changes uh, come about in the police departments. And I feel like eventually that's probably going to be one of them. It's a standard. Is, hey, listen, if you can't do X, Y, and Z, then it's time for you to hang your belt up. So, brother, you know what? That's, that's a good I think that's good, right? And we talk about physical fitness, but what it seems like we're really not talking about is this mental fitness, right? The whole mental health of things. Right. Because it seems as though a lot of money can go towards that too. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Where are we putting this this money at? Because is there a vetting process? Is there something in line to see that, hey, this person is, no kidding, a good person, right? Their mm-hmm. motives are pure, whatever, because there's a multitude of tests that uh, organizations give to to have these personality tests. But it seems like the police department, not saying that none of them do it, but you kind of wish, like, yo, didn't they see this dude was crazy as hell for years? And then after something happens, they see all the trends. Look how many times this person's been reported. Look how many right. times this person has had uh, infractions. You feel me? So right. what is going on, maybe in your situation, because you can't speak for all, but as right. far as the mental health check of our um, police departments or your officers? Or do y'all get mental health, like somebody supports y'all in that aspect, period. Do y'all have a that counselor? point? 
That's a sign yeah. of y'all precinct precinct. Yeah, it's actually in our insurance. Like our it's provided in our insurance where you can actually if you need to go talk to somebody, you get up to like six or seven of, of free visits before you start paying. Um, but I think too, like you you guys are in the military. And, and here's the thing. It's like you get some people who come in on this job and they're, they're just seamless. They have this normal mindset. But I can tell you the very first time that I saw an individual, I've never seen anybody dead before until I took this job. And then they could walk on a call and actually see some a young kid shot in the head with a hole in his head. I'm like, I ain't gonna lie. That, that, that kind of shook me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes, too, you know, the PTSD, you got – officers who go through that. And I think what it is, is at what point sometimes ego can get the best of somebody. And they just like, I'm okay. I'm okay. But when you're not okay, right. you need to go talk to somebody. And I think that's where it builds up is a lot of times they don't go talk to somebody. And the next thing you know, it, that PTSD set, sets in on a call and then bad things happen. And that, and I can dig that right after mm-hmm. the fact. I'm talking about in the whole recruiting process. Like oh, you dig oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Like like yeah. here here's an application, but also here's an evaluation. You oh, dig? Because yeah. not everybody, is, and especially if you do some time in the military, let's say you do 10, 15 years, and then you want to go and, uh, you know, serve your community and be in the police force, there still, in my opinion, still should be some type of evaluation because I'm not going to report the PTSD that I may have inquired being in the military. Now I'm coming to your police force and I somewhat have a license to kill if I feel as though my li- my life is threatened. You dig? So right. what do you talk uh, what do you think about the beforehand mental health right. screen so yeah so when you when not even when you take a test even like our department for i just use that for an example you have a psychological test that you take right off the bat if you if you make it as past processes you're guaranteed there's no skipping that at all you're not skipping that some even departments even have where you're going to take a polygraph test to see if you're lying about you know what i'm saying that's the best way to find out if they're if they're telling the truth now also too you're going back and you're you're doing background checks, not just people that you you put down and say, oh yeah, they'll, they'll vouch for me. But I'm going to your old employers and, and and old coworkers and old neighbors, and I'm going to find out what is this person like. Hmm. And a lot of times too, I can tell you, we've removed people off the list of our applicants just because for for maybe one of those things, if not all of them, like you're not fit to do this job. You're not the kind of officer we want in our department. Wow. And again, that goes back to, again, there's some departments that don't do that because they don't have the funding. So now when you talk about the funding and you talk about taking the money away from them, mm-hmm. again, the money needs to be spread around differently and maybe put more money into the hiring process, mm-hmm. put more money into the psychological test, put more money into the polygraph test and the background checks and have officers do, do the things that, so you know what kind of quality officer you're getting. Wow, never knew that. Never knew that. Yo, hey, Herm, what you think? Man, I mean, I never, I never knew that either. You know what I mean? And, and it's good to know. It's comforting to know that that is happening. Um, but one, one thing I do want to go back to is when you said that, um, that a lot of officers have the answer for the few bad ones that are out there, right? And I agree with that. I agree wholeheartedly that there are way more uh, good officers out there than they are bad. Um, nobody can convince me that otherwise. I think with the people's uh, frustrations are is that we don't hear enough from the good officers, mm-hmm. right? You know, we, you know, like when, when these things happen, uh, 
we uh, they feel like we feel like we don't hear enough about them speaking out against the bad officer or what was can be perceived as a bad officer. Mm -hmm. uh, because looking at your stuff, you got the the was it be a better me? Yes, sir. You know, foundation and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure there's so many other cops doing that, but that'll never get highlighted. The media is going to show us what they're going to show us. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? We need to see more cops like you out there, you know what I mean? Speaking up for your, for your profession, your career field and showing us, man, we're not all like that. You right. Know what I mean, and actually see some white officers that are following your footsteps or doing the same things that you're doing because we don't, we don't see it. You know, that stays in the background. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. We, we definitely, I do realize that the media does kind of paint up a certain picture and not all stories are posted. And the thing was, was like, you know, I don't worry about who sees what I do. I never have. I, I remember there was a time when I would post stuff and maybe two or three people saw it. And now I'm in a different realm now, years later, where, you know, I could have, I've had videos that have had over a million views. You know, like a, a couple million views. I had one that had 26 million views. So I think the thing is, it's like my 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 view of it is, I don't care if it's one or one million. Try to inspire somebody to do something different. Whether it's somebody in the community, whether it's another police. I got a lot of police officers that follow me, and maybe I'm inspiring them to go out there and do something different within their community. You know, and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen so many officers. I started off carrying teddy bears and, and I'm going to the dollar store and buy candy. I kept it in my cruiser, potato chips, and I sit on the curb with a kid and just have a conversation with them. That was the world. That was the world to them. And I was just, I was building a relationship with them. So now they tell their friends. Now their friends told their friends. And now I become this household item in, in my community. Right. Right. So look, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Officer Sharp. He's 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 getting it in. He's being extremely, extremely transparent. And I appreciate that, brother, because it's not easy. And so if you are on Facebook and you want to give your comments, make sure you go to uh, StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook. And if you have a comment, if you want to call in to ask him a specific question or just Hey, just say thanks, because I know it's a thankless job, especially now. So, hey, on behalf of the Lions Den and the pride that's listening, man, I want to say thank you for getting it in. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? Because you're risking your life. And even though you're doing it for the right reason, not everybody feel like you are. And don't. And a lot of people don't care. You feel right. me? They don't right. care. And, and, and they wrap their minds around this social issues without looking at your position so you got a uh, another uh, question here he says is it true that if a cop gets fired for a repeated uh, instance uh, of uh, police brutality for example he or she can apply to be a cop in another jurisdiction I've heard that at other places but it won't happen like at our police department that will not happen mm -hmm. they will not hire you I know for a fact that won't, that doesn't happen at our police department but again you have some police departments who need bodies. So mm -hmm. guess what they do? Eh, well, let's, let's just talk to them and make sure him or him or her, make sure they know the rules and don't do what they used to do. Mm -hmm. Or they may have a buddy-buddy system where like, oh, let's just slide them in. I'm going to make sure I keep a thumb on them. Right. At our department, no, that's not going to happen. Because again, like, again, you're a liability to the city. Mm -hmm. You can cost the city millions of dollars. And a lot of these cities are already, already are struggling to find a way uh, to take care of the, the, the community. So you think I'm going to bring somebody in that might cost and do something really foolish and I got to give up $30 million to a family? See? No. Yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. So, that's, so the, I, that's the sad part. Of it. 
It's the sad part is that it won't happen in your precinct, but it can happen somewhere. Like, imagine if the military, for example, you get kicked out of the Marine for something crazy, but you're able to go join the Air Force. See? Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, hey, hold on. Look, we got a, a call, and I'm gonna get with you one second, um, uh, Larry. Okay, hello. Hey, 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 Camille. So go ahead. You on? Okay. Well, I was going back to the um, the mental health piece, and um, I noticed that um, he said that there were, you know, they're given six free visits if something happens where they can identify. And talked about how after his first time seeing, you know, a young person dead, um, that he was kind of traumatized. In the military, we have helping agencies that, you know, if there's a suicide or death or something like that in the unit, they go around and they make sure that everybody's okay. They have one-on-one folks that come in, mental health counselors, uh, chaplains, et cetera, MFLAC. Um, do they do the same thing or would that be something that maybe would benefit them that if you respond to a death or if you respond to something that was super tragic, that they have a team come in, regardless of whether you ask for it or not, but to kind of do an assessment. And if someone does want to, uh, you know, talk, then they know who they can talk to instead of putting completely the onus on the officers mm-hmm. and go seek mental health okay. wherever it is. So that's my question. That's a good question. What you got, Officer Sharp? You know, I think a lot of times, too, like uh, just working with supervisors, you have supervisors who are compassionate about the guys or women that work for them. Um, they tend to check up on, you know, a lot of the, the officers that may go through something. But to have somebody that's there naturally just to say, hey, you need to go talk to somebody, that doesn't often happen. Again, it has to happen on your own accord. I remember my career, I could tell you, I, there was one time I remember, I well, a couple times, I really, I felt I needed to go talk to somebody. And um, I, I saw some kids burn up in a house fire. And um, it was just, it was, it was, I I watched them pull the kids out and we tried to get in there and the ceiling falls down while we got the door booted open. So we'd have been a couple seconds or it could have been me. So when I think about that, and I remember it was Christmas Eve. So for a longest time, it affected me. And now mind you, I have six kids myself (laughs) and I saw these five kids pulled out of this home. And I could tell (laughs) you, I remember I walked into my house and that, that, that morning, and I could still smell the smoke, the fire in my clothes. And I'm kissing my kids that morning with tears in my eyes, thanking God, because I'm a very spiritual person. So I had to, I, I have my own ways, I guess, of dealing with things. And I literally have to, I sometimes I have to pray myself out of situations. You know what I'm saying? And that was one of those times when I did, I just had to pray, I had to stay on my knees and pray because that was very hard for me to deal with. And then even still, after I felt I was over it, when Christmas Eve, Christmas came around, I felt it of every course. every year. Mm. I felt it. So, I mean, it, it's good that you, if we, that's something too, if you restructure the programming, maybe you have somebody in some of these bigger cities, because not every city needs that. A lot of times there's not big things happening in cities like that. But if you have somebody that can respond to that, that's on call or a union type of rep that can do that. He's checking up on people, other officers. I think that'll be huge. Wow. Yes, me too. I think that that's something that um, maybe, you know, some of those funds for mental health, instead of just doing that, that you have someone after a tragic event 
that they come, you know, within a day or so after that to check up on the officers involved. And then possibly, you know, in the weeks or months, you know, a quarterly or annual during the anniversary, because I know a lot of people during the anniversary of a traumatic event mm-hmm. also go back into that and then they experience it all over again. Mm-hmm. And so if maybe they put some funds towards, you know, or, or teamed with the chaplaincy in the community, that you have people who are trained, you know, even when you say you're okay, there are signs that, you know, trained people can see and that they can monitor and maybe to give you guys some, some skills to deal with, or, you know, pull you aside. Maybe it's a prayer because everybody's not spiritual, you know, Mm -hmm. those who don't have that foundation, um, but to have a trained professional, you know, not just a supervisor or something, but that's their job to come in and continually evaluate you guys. I'm sure that the funds wouldn't be too much, but I think that it would pay dividends um, in in helping people, you know, especially officers dealing with that, especially when they have to go out and do it again. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your... uh, Thanks for calling, Camille. Appreciate it. Thanks, Camille. All right. Take care. All right. Hey, Big Larry, what you got, man? Hey, Officer Sharp, you know you in the den, so we're about to hit you with some with some fire right uh-huh. here, man. It's a two-part question, right? Real quick. So, so we have that old adage, you know, with the when it comes to police officers, right? And this is about accountability, right? So, protecting the shield when it comes to being a police officer. So, it's a two-part question. One of the parts is I'm gonna talk about is I want to get your thoughts on police officers and the whole the old adage of uh, most police officers are police officers because they were bullied in school or whatever the case may be, and now they got chill they feel like they you know billy badass with the Mm -hmm. power that comes with being a police officer right i want you just to give me your comments on that and then the second part of this and this is the deep part right here is when it comes to police uh accountability when we're talking about police brutality and whatever uh aspect you want to put that in uh the difference between the suspect and the police officer and how they're treated uh, uh, when it comes to the media, like what are your thoughts on that? It's like the, the the suspect business is all over the place. You know, we know his mama's name, his cousin's name, his sister's auntie's name, but when it comes to police officers, all this stuff is shielded. And if we want to talk about what I was what I was going back to as far as uh, bridging that gap in the community, is being transparent. And if we're part of the community, we're all part of the community as a whole. So I understand the union and how that stuff works, but. Just give me your thoughts on okay. that, um, uh, and and that's where I'm at. Yeah. So as far as the you said it was a, a, the the, the corn balls, man, the corn yeah, balls yeah, with yeah, the gun, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. Let's be one hundred. Yeah, that's the that's the thing is I think you do get some of those. You 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 do. I don't think there there are some of those guys that that just I don't know what what it is that one of this like they felt like once they became a police officer they was just gonna be they used to get the their toughest, ass beat. Yeah, that's yeah, what it would be the toughest thing to slice bread. <laughs> oh, bro. And, and that, that like for but there's not every officer that's like that though because mm-hmm. look at me for instance you know that was right. that wasn't me i i grew up in a poor community you know and then and and where the police drive by and me mug me they they tighten up their gloves looking at me like do something wrong kind of you know like they that's how they're looking at me and all i wanted to do if he would have got out the car and threw the through my ball through the play catch with me that'd have been everything but now we had this division and this the, mm. the vibe. But I think too. But I know also I'm a former defensive end and I played in the Big Twelve and, and a linebacker. So I don't have to prove my toughness to anybody. I know I'm tough. And sometimes people look at me because I'm I might dance with some kids or I might give them some candy or teddy bears and be like, oh, they they view this policing as soft. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm far from soft. 
I'm like, listen, I like we can get locked in a room. And I can show you that this, this, there's no softness. And I'll shake your hand and hug you and kiss you afterwards. But I just show you that there's no, there's nothing soft about me. So I don't have to prove anything to anybody. And I think that's the mindset is that you don't have to come and get on this job and take a badge to prove that you are something that you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I don't have to prove anything that I'm not. I am who I am. I'm going to always be who I am. I'm going to be the person that my mama and daddy and all my grandmothers and grandfathers raised me to be. Right. So what about that second part of that question? I know it was a uh, it, it was a compound question. So uh-huh. what do you think about that um that protection spiel when it comes down to the offender? Right. Mm-hmm. Everything is put out there like, hey, you know, everything about him, you know what he did in the third grade. But right. when it comes down to the, you know, the police officer, it's mm-hmm. like mom's the word. Well, you know, it's, it's an internal investigation. So, you know, we got to take care of some business on this end first. before yeah. we Come on, Matt. Now, you know, that's know. some bullshit, it's, though. It's, 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 it's some bullshit, though. Can you yeah. say it's some bullshit? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Because <laughs> here's the thing. It's like you go on and and but here's the thing, too. Everything, every complaint about a police officer is public record. Mm. But I don't think I don't think anybody takes the opportunity to go, huh? Is it's it public? public is it public knowledge or public record? Because you can't say yeah, it's well, public I mean, knowledge. It's public record, but I didn't know that until just now. Yeah, yeah so, so it ain't public if knowledge. You, <laughs> listen, if you wanted to come, if you wanted to come and pick up my file to see all my disciplinary actions that I've received over my career. You can go see it. Yo, ho- ladies and gentlemen, hold that's on, hold on. Yo, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's the thing like, yo, look at my piff. Yo, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yo, so I did not know that. Look, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all just hearing yeah. this on the Lions, then trust me, uh, Officer Williams got a record. All right. Now, if he been messing with you, you dig what I'm saying? You find out he been crazy for a long time. You see what I'm saying? But I did not know that. So is, is that just your precinct or is that? I think that's, I, from what I understand, like I said, if you have like, I believe civil service and all of that, it's, just, it's all public, public knowledge. You know, mm. I know too, there's been protesters that have been actually going around and getting all the police officers with all their, all their write-ups and stuff. And I think nobody ever knew that you can do that before. So yeah, you can, and it, I don't think it's, it's very limited, but they could tell you if they were in trouble and if they were reprimanded for it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yo, that's dope. Well, look, but see, but see the thing is too, is, and again, social media is, I don't believe everything I hear when I hear Shouldn't. somebody, when I, especially a victim and you want to bring up their past, this and that and the other, that's not, for, that's not for me. Like who, who died and made you guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's my mentality. I'm like, stop judging people because mm-hmm. that's what's wrong with the world. We are so quick to judge people instead of looking at the facts. Let's go off the facts. Mm-hmm. I'm a factual person. Show me the facts, and that's what I'm going off of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, and so shout out to Tony. He says, to be honest, departments, businesses, and leaders uh, could build a lot more trust and will and goodwill if they would speak up about injustice immediately, regardless of whether or not the situation was recorded, public knowledge, etc. You, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And sometimes we forget, you know, because we're we're caught in the moment. You get right. what I'm saying? But yo, I did not know that. And it's not about how could it help me, as much as it, it can help our community. You, mm-hmm. you, you get what I'm saying? Because right, exactly. not everybody that's, you know, up and down your street riding that squad car is from where you're from. So mm-hmm. th- any type of information we can use to help, 
you know, it, it, it's good. It shouldn't be like that. Obviously, right. right? Serve and protect. It's like I have to prove my innocence. You get right. what I'm saying? But then mm-hmm. on the flip side, we have to prove that you're guilty if you did something. Right. You see right. what I'm saying? So it's uh-huh. a it's a different code. Mm-hmm. You feel me? It is. Big Herm, what you got, man? So uh, we're, we've been talking about a lot of, I mean, of course, a lot of the police negative press and stuff like that. But I want to flip it a little bit. And I want to talk about your uh, Be a Better Me there you go. foundation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You recently had Maurice Claret come on. And I, you said you played in the Big 12. Where'd you play at? Uh, Kansas, Kansas University. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's Jayhawk. Cool. Yeah, that's almost that's almost a college, you know what I mean? Oh wow. <laughs> this is... Hey yo, listen, I didn't even know they had a football team. I was trying to be slick because I was a good basketball player. I was trying to get a slide on in with Roy Williams at the time. But... but check this out. My question is to you, uh you just had we recently had Maurice Claret come on come on, do a do something for one of your events. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are familiar about what his path was, the troubles that he came in. Now he's bouncing back as a motivational speaker and doing great things in the community. Talk to us a little bit. I know we're running short on time, but talk to us about your organization and what your goals are and what you see in the future for Be A Better Me uh, Foundation. Well, so Be A Better Me Foundation, I've had this vision for, for years, but I always sat on it, and I felt like I wasn't confident or I didn't feel like it would be successful. So eventually, you know, a lot of times you just have to, uh, everything in life, you got to take that step and move forward. And I moved forward, and it was probably the best thing I ever did because our foundation is saving so many lives. We're changing the mindsets of so many of our youth because our youth are only seeing out here is rappers. They're promoting uh, just, just, just disrespect to women, drugs, being gangsters, this and that and the other. So where's the balance at for a lot of these kids? And I'm just trying to provide that. Our foundation, we try to provide that balance. So we provide mentoring. We provide tutoring. We give out thousands of gifts every Christmas. We give out, we feed the homeless people during the winter time, or not even the homeless, I'm sorry, homeless and low-income families that might need a meal. Um, we feed it because I was somebody, I would tell you, man, listen, my mom, she would make black eyed peas, black eyed peas and cornbread, and we would have it for four days in a row because that's all we could afford. But that's some good eating. But that's anyway, go ahead. Eating, but when you got a kid for four days in a row and you a kid, right? You ain't trying to do that. Yeah, and yeah. Like, to this day, I don't even eat black eyed peas except for doing Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, right. But, as, you, yeah. as you were asleep, you wouldn't be hungry. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> well, your mama must be my mama. <laughs> Yo, you know how it is. Hey, well, look, brother. Hey, tell us a little bit though about your book, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. he's a he's a published author. If you didn't know it or not, he has a book called The uh, Suspect of Hope. I right, got too, right here. There you go. Good. And my and, children's book too. Right, and children's book. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit more about that. So yeah, my, my book is just a little bit of story about my my path to be where I'm at today. And um, it's just talk about some of the things that I've, I've been through and what we're doing as a foundation. Um, and so that, that's basically, it's a, it's a great short read. Um, you know, when you write and you're thinking like, man, this is great. This is a big old novel. And then they break it down. And I'm like, this was it. Yo, it's on like 80 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. This like, right. Oh, man. So yeah, and it just talks about a lot of things. I talk about trauma in my life because that's the thing with a lot of us. We, do, we have trauma. We don't know how to address it. And it took me um, it took me 40 years before I could tell my I was molested when I was uh, at a very young age. And it took me 40 years to talk about it. Mm. And I had to live with that. And I, I realized looking back over my life how it affected me. 
you know, and, and that's the thing we don't talk about, and especially in a black community, we experience so much. Man, and see, that's what I, I'm so glad you said that, man, because I was just, we was having a conversation about this earlier, and it seems as though we we we, we come into situations already broken. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? We're already broken, and then based off of society's view of what you should be we try to fit that mold without dealing with the things that broke us in the past you feel me and then the way that we're coping with it is can bleed off into our organizations into our families into our lives so essentially that mental health earlier on or when you knew that it was an issue could be beneficial you get what i'm saying and moving forward so wow man but no and, and i know that that's vulnerable you did to talk about that but it's huge because it's showing individuals you can still be a man and talk Mm -hmm. about the things that you couldn't control yo this happened but this is how i was able to deal with it man for so long i was ashamed you know i was so for so long i was ashamed of it and i it also caused me issues uh when i was growing up it was like i really I've seen on this job, well, another traumatic thing was, was I sat here and I said, yo, like, I've seen a little two-year-old that was raped by mom's boyfriend. And to see this little kid laying on there and realizing what happened to me, I remember I was sitting here looking at dude and I was ready, yo, I was ready to jump on him. Wow. Like, that, was, that was me. And that's, again, that's the traumatic things that we, we, we don't address. And... And, you know, that's that part of that PTSD that, that, that kind of came up to kind of get me later. Wow. Hey, so look, uh, we do. We had a question about if it's available. Is it available on Amazon? Yes, and, it is. And, and Audible up. and Kindle? Okay, good, good, yes. good. So look, ladies and gentlemen, please go out and support this brother. Hey, that's dope, man. That's Thank real you. dope. So www.lamarsharp.com. Yo, man, so I know we're we getting pressed for time, but uh, Big Larry, man, what you got, man, final word? My final words is I appreciate you coming on the show and being open and honest and, and answering some of these tough questions that we give you, man. You know, it's you're not speaking on behalf of the entire police officers or the, the behalf of the police in general. We understand that, you know, just like we don't speak on behalf of the entire military, but we're just relating as human beings. And I think that sometimes is what gets lost in all of this discussion is that we're all human. It doesn't matter the skin complexion. We're still humans. And right. so I appreciate you bringing that on and just answering from your perspective and your perspective only. You're not speaking on behalf of your unit. And um, It's great to have you on. And I'll, if we can have you on again or get some of your other buddies on, like we, we have these conversations weekly and we need to have more of these conversations. So, Thank you. It's good to be back all, and I appreciate all you've done. Uh, thanks a lot, Larry. Right on. Hey, y'all have, hey listen, y'all call me. I'm on. All right, right <laughs> on. And look, we do appreciate it. Big Herm, what you got, man? Man, um, again, just like what Larry said, man, thank you a lot for coming on to do this. I know it, it can't be easy doing stuff like this, and I know you have other talking engagements and being a cop at the same time, you know what I mean? Because you're, you're very open you know what I mean, about your thoughts and, and what you think. And I think the people really need to see that, you know what I'm saying, because we get desensitized and start thinking cops aren't even people, right. you know what I mean. And now I'm over here listening to stuff that you've seen, that you've witnessed. I, I forget that you pulled uh, burning babies out of a house. Mm-hmm. I forget that you've seen rape kids and all the stuff that you've seen, somebody with their head shot off and stuff like that. 
I forget. So, you know what I'm saying? When we hear that stuff, man, it puts things in perspective of what an officer really is, what they truly is. No, they're not some people just out here whooping people's ass. You know what I mean? There's a lot more that goes on to the makeup of what a police officer is. Thank you for sharing that. You know what I mean? I, I really appreciate that. This, some of the stuff you said hit me real hard and made me think, because I thought about being a cop too, uh, especially since y'all don't have a physical fitness test. You know what I mean? I thought about doing it myself. Maybe you don't sit your ass down. <laughs> 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 but I was like, hey, I ain't got to run. I was like, okay. This nut. You, you sat across from somebody that raped a two-year-old. I'm thinking, how would I handle that? You know what I'm saying? It looked like WWE in here. You know what I mean? So, Officer Sharp, thank you. And what I want most is for you to stay safe so you can continue spreading that word. You know what I mean? Letting people know you know, what the other side is. Absolutely. Yeah, brother. And what about you, man? If there was one thing that you would like our audience to know, you get what I'm saying? Like one, just something, you know, what, what is it? If there's one thing that you would like to leave us with? You know, we, we, we have to re be able to respect people for regardless of their race, religion, or, or their uh, culture, whatever it, it is. Respect people for who they are. And, um, you know, and, and understand it's okay to disagree with somebody. So if you like Biden, okay. So you like Biden, but don't hate somebody because they like Trump. Or if you some you like Trump, don't hate somebody because whatever it is, you know what I'm saying. And I don't talk politics, but whatever it is, it's okay to not be. That's what makes us unique is that we're all not going to agree. There's people who are married and they just don't agree with their spouse, but does that mean like they're just, they're at the end of the world? No, it's not. Y'all just don't agree on something, and it's okay. And, and a lot of times, too, on my social media, only thing I put on here is, I, like, it's time out for the negative on social media. It's all positivity. I'm always trying to spread something. I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to put a smile. I do things that I, that's not, I'm an introvert. And you will see me dancing with kids, and I don't even know the dance. But, yeah, at the same time, I'm doing it because the kids – the relationship and the smiles on their face. So sometimes you just got to step out your comfort zone to, to, to be the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Man, listen, I'm not going to reiterate what the Dan has said, man, but I do thank you for taking the time. And again, thank you for doing what you're doing, even just by being in a community and wanting to connect with the kids. And it's important. It's extremely important because in order to change the narrative, we got to be the change we want to see. You see, exactly. so if you being a brother out there trying to do the stanky leg still, knowing it's right. like 15 years old, <laughs> right. quit it, right? right. But, and then they doing something else you don't know, but at least you're out there. And like you said, that is going to um, it's going to connect with them, man. It's going to change their, their lives, man, essentially, because they will remember one or the other. They're going to remember Officer Sharp that, that was always messing with me when I was little and now I can't stand cops versus Officer Sharp that sat down and, and you know, has some chips with me. And now I have a different level of respect for cops. And I know that there's different people out there, but this one officer treated me like I was a human being and not a nuisance in my own community. So I want to thank you, man, for being on again. And also the den. Look, I appreciate y'all. Hey, the best, the best, the best, the best audience in the world. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, what'd you say? 
It was popping. Oh, man, we, we try to keep it like that, baby. That's what we do on the den. And so if we keep it real. And I mean, look, we, we got some uh we, we got some uh trolls, you know what I'm saying, that try to come through just, just because the energy is what it is. And, and you know what? You see the comments. You know, no, you ain't because I, I, I cut them out. But the deal is, is that, you know, you're doing something when you get it right. And and I know that you, too, Officer Sharp, Sharp is getting a lot of uh pushback from individuals that don't look like you and possibly that look like you. So I wanted you to just stay encouraged, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Fight this good fight. Right on? Uh-huh. And Larry, no Mizzou here. <laughs> <laughs> that don't That's not a real school either, man. <laughs> bro, hey, the guy whose school got See, see. So yeah, we we gonna leave that alone. All right, hey, but listen, ladies and gentlemen, and then we thank y'all for being on. Get it in. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see y'all again. Not next week, okay? It won't be a show next week, but we'll see you in November. All right. Again, there will not be a show next week. We gotta take take some little time to get some things right but still stick around we love y'all y'all keep it easy all right later five and oh right five and oh man shut up five and one coming (laughs) we hope you enjoyed today's show make sure to listen to the show on google Podcasts, spotify breaker and radio public where you can subscribe or via rss so you'll never miss a show While you're at it, if you like or dislike this episode, we'd appreciate your feedback on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Lionscast. Check out the book, The Black Collar Mindset, The Art of Strategic Thinking on Amazon or www.theblackcollarmindset.com, a manual to maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable. Tune in next week for another episode of The Lion's Den with Seth.